All right, and good morning again. Welcome to the Easter service. So glad you guys are here. That's our, our fourth welcome this morning, but we really are glad you're here, whether you're here in person, whether you're here online, uh, or uh, whether you're going to be watching this even a little bit later. There's some people who can't make it and they watch it during the midweek, and uh, so we're just so glad you're here. Uh, we're going to start out by uh, doing some shouts. Now, we've been doing these shouts for almost two years, and I'll be honest, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know, maybe it's getting a little stale. Maybe we should do something else. And then just this week, one of our uh, dear sisters in the Lord, she said, you know what my favorite part of church is? And she's like, when we shout out that we love God and we love each other. And I was like, dang it, now I'm stuck for another year, at least, before I can revisit that. Uh, and so we're going to do two shout outs. It's just talking about who we are as a church. And so would you join me in that? Uh, what do we do? We love God and we love others. Well, what do we say? I love God and I love you. And I genuinely do. I love you each, and I love God more than I love you significantly. And so, uh, but that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. I hope you love God a thousand times more than you love me or anyone who is even near you. God is that amazing. Today, we finally arrive at the pinnacle of the Christian year. It's Easter Sunday. A week ago, we saw Jesus uh, exalted on Palm Sunday with the triumphal entry as like a champion. And then... All hope seemed lost on Good Friday when, when Jesus hung on the cross. Only to come to today, the greatest moment in human history, the empty tomb of Jesus of Nazareth, his resurrection, and we say he is alive. Let's draw our hearts and our minds back to that beautiful morning almost 2,000 years ago. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women, they took spices and, and they had, that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now I try to imagine what this is like. Because sometimes, uh, if we're not careful, we read the Bible and it's sort of like history and it doesn't, it doesn't sit with us. So I try to imagine, what was this like for these women who in sorrow, they were visiting the tomb of their dear friend, visiting his grave, and this friend had been tortured earlier, he had been crucified, he had been condemned by the Romans, but he had been betrayed by his own people, Israel. He had been flogged, he had been beaten and spit on and disrespected. And so they're going to this tomb, they have to be heavy hearted. Like they had hoped that he was going to be the savior of the world, and then he died. And they're going to this tomb all heavy hearted. So all that's weighing down on them as they arrive at the tomb and and then they, when they get there, they discover that the tomb is open. And when they look in, they see the body is missing. And they must have felt devastated. Because they're not thinking resurrection. Like we know if you've been around church at all, you know like the punchline is he's resurrected. But they didn't know that. They looked at this empty tomb and they have to be imagining what kind of person after all that our friend Jesus suffered through would come and desecrate the body. Someone tore open his tomb and snatched out his body? They had to be overwhelmed. How dare someone come and do something so like disrespectful and wrong and evil like that? Yet, yet the Bible says this. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you 
while he was with you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and then on the third day be raised again? And then they were like, oh yeah. Then they remembered his words. So he has risen is what they said. These three powerful words that changed everything. Confusion, wondering, sorrow. It all collided with a new possibility, hope. Could it be true that this was actually the case? So here we have some of these amazing followers of Jesus, some of these women who were the first to witness his empty tomb, the first to testify in just a second that he's risen, the first to realize the truth of all that he'd been teaching. You see, at that point, they remembered. He'd been telling them everything, and then they're like, yes, and the puzzle pieces started to come together. And it was women who were doing this. We again see women as a key component of God's ministry and God's story in Jesus Christ. Sometimes if we're not careful, we, we rush by the women and don't realize they're the, they're the first to worship, they're the first to go mourn him, they're the first to witness him, they're the first to uh, pay for his ministry. In case you didn't know that, the women were paying for all the ministry of Jesus. So it's the women who who come and they get to have this this first encounter with the risen Jesus. The first encounter of anyone on this planet with the risen Jesus was with these amazing women. They're on the leading edge of the discovery of of Jesus' victory, that he indeed is exalted. See, we see different levels of exalted. On Palm Sunday, he came in and people were worshiping, and then it seemed down. But now they're like, oh, wait, there's more. And so Jesus is exalted in their heart even more. He's like, wow, he actually can resurrect. Check out what else it says just in the continuing verses. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, that's the guys, the the other disciples. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and like a couple of others of them who told the apostles. But the apostles, amen, they didn't believe. (laughs) Oh man, men are so much godlier, right? No, men are so much dumber. These women are like, look, I saw this, and they're like, nah, that can't be true. They didn't believe because the words seemed like nonsense. See, see how quickly the re- women remembered what had been taught, and the guys were like, no, no, that, can't, that don't make sense, I don't know. Because they don't remember. Right? It seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, he's like, he gets up and he runs to the tomb, and he bends over, he sees the strips of linen lying by themselves, and then he went away, and he was wondering to himself what had happened. I'm not sure he needs to wonder. Someone told him what happened, right? The women, they're like, we saw him, you know, uh, he's alive. And then he goes and there's an empty tomb and he's like, huh, I wonder what's going on here. Like, you know, not always the sharpest tool in the shed, right? And so he's wondering what had happened, wondering if it could in fact be true. Wondering if, if maybe he sold Jesus fantastically short. See, because he had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah, he died, and then he had lost all hope. And now he's wondering, wondering, maybe, maybe I sold Jesus, maybe I didn't quite get it. Maybe, maybe Jesus, I, I, I didn't see all that he was. Like I sort of exalted him, but maybe I didn't think quite he was God. What a great thing for us to do as well today, to wonder. Like wonder if we have placed Jesus in the correct place in our lives. Wonder if we are truly following him well. Wonder if we too have sold Jesus fantastically short where he's just become an ornament in our lives rather than the meaning of it. There's an explosive truth. There's a powerful excitement in Easter. 
if we will allow the worldly sentimentality that surrounds it to dissipate. Like the, the bunnies, the eggs, the chocolate, and the flowers, they, they, they sort of co-opted Easter, turning it into some consumer-driven holiday that becomes about pastels and something much more muted. We must wonder beyond the noise for the explosive truth, the truth that Jesus is God, that his death and resur- subsequent resurrection secured our salvation. This Easter, we've got to put the self, ourselves in this like excellent wondering where, where maybe we don't want to sell Jesus too short, but wonder, what if he is really God? What if he's even bigger than I as a pastor think? What is even greater than, than we as followers of him think? What if Jesus is, is even bigger than we could possibly imagine? Like we've just read one of the literal historical accounts about Jesus. Now, they're recorded in all the Gospels, and, and they fill in other details. We don't have time for all of them today, but we looked at one of those accounts of his empty tomb, of his being alive. But he didn't just leave the re- resurrection reality to like a mystery of an empty tomb. It wasn't just like there was an empty tomb, and they're like, oh, I wonder what happened, and they were left to fill in the spaces. That's not what happened. Later that same day, he shows up. Check out what it says in John. On the evening of that very first day of the week, he was resurrected in the morning. When the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and he stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So Jesus appears alive to his disciples, and they couldn't be happier. Like, Though maybe in a little bit of disbelief, a little shock, uh, uh, the women may be sitting there like, I told you so, you know, like maybe they're like a little egg on their face. And they, they were stoked, they were happy, they were excited. And this would kick off a crazy month and a half, 40 days, where Jesus was demonstrating that he was alive to all sorts of disciples. He would meet them in person, he would have lunch with them, he would hang out with them. There was one time that Jesus met with a crowd of 500 people. 500 people is a lot of people. And he's like, look, I'm alive, you can touch, you can feel, mm, I'm eating this fish. And so he was demonstrating over a period of a month and a half that he was, in fact, alive. And so we see him being exalted in another level. Another level. So he's resurrected, and then he's not just leaving a mystery, but now he's showing everybody, it is real. It is, I'm actually here. All demonstrating that he was actually, in fact, alive. Then after those 40 days, Jesus returns to heaven. Here's how Luke records it. When he had been led out to them in the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands And he blessed them, and while he was blessing them, he left them, and he was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So here we see another step in the exaltation of Jesus, that he is in fact taken to heaven. Once he resurrects himself from the dead, he hangs out on earth earth for a little while, then he's exalted by the Father to the highest place, given the name, uh, the highest name, and shown the highest honor. We see that this exaltation is received in heaven and that it's continued in heaven. Here's what the book of Revelation says about those who are dwelling in heaven at the time, how they respond to Jesus coming to heaven. This is the Apostle John who wrote about a vision he had. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands and thousands and ten thousand times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they were saying this, Worthy is the Lamb, sometimes Jesus is called the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So this is talking about what it looks like in heaven. There's the, 
the, the chorus of heaven is worshiping Jesus, saying, like, he is exalted, worthy of honor and wisdom and strength and glory and praise and exalting him. All the created beings by God, the angelic beings, and ultimately even human beings. We see heaven rejoicing over this work of Jesus on the cross. He's exalted by all these in heaven and here on earth. So we've been talking over the last week or so about Jesus exalted. And it's not just for a moment or just in a moment. Many people have been lifted up in history, like uh, a king would be exalted or maybe a pop star will be exalted, but, but maybe they just they, they fade after a little bit. I mean, Elvis was the bee's knees at some point, but how many of you are rocking Elvis all the time on your vinyls? No one, right? Like Maybe he was hot for a minute. Maybe he was exalted for a second, but he fades away. And here this passage of Revelation is saying it is eternity that Jesus doesn't fade away. He is exalted in a permanent sense. So we see that in Revelation passage, that he and he alone is worthy to be exalted above all others. I'd like you to notice how Apostle Saul speaks to this idea about Jesus' exaltation. And he talks about it in this book uh, that he wrote to the Philippians. And here's what he says. He says, Christ Jesus who is in the very nature God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Get this part. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should... uh, in heaven and on earth and under the earth uh, should bow, and, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's, he's exalted by the Father and then appropriately by all of humanity as every knee will bow to him. Some people will bow to him in an act of love and adoration and respect, and some people will bow to him as a defeated enemy. But all people will bow to Jesus. God exalted him to the highest place. Our series is called Jesus Exalted, and it rests here. Jesus' willingness to come to this planet, to take the form of a human being, to be sacrificed on a cross for our sins, it gives him the right to be exalted above all else. Like I think he already had the right ahead of time when he was God. But because of his actions, he turns our hearts from a cold duty of worshiping a powerful deity to a love exaltation of genuine affection and gratitude. See, that's what we celebrate on Easter. Not a a cold sort of separation from a powerful God. When we say we exalt Jesus, it's not just because he is God and powerful. It's somehow dissected from my uh, my life. But we who know him worship him in adoration and we exalt him out of love and gratitude and gratefulness in a genuine heartfelt sense. And that's what we're talking about when we say Jesus exalted. So he is moving up these levels of exaltation. So it goes past beyond the the mind and beyond the, the deity part. It becomes personal. See, I think that's when things really matter, when it becomes personal. Right? I I know there's a lot of nice people in the world. I know there's a lot of really neat uh, women in the world. But you know, the one I like the most 
is my wife. It's personal. I mean, there, there's something different. All, all y'all women, you're nice too. You're great. But you're not like my wife. I, I love her. It isn't just that she's beautiful or kind and nice, though she's all those things. It's because it's personal. And we have a personal connection and love. And that's our exaltation of Jesus. It's not because he's powerful. Well, well, it is because he is, right? It's not that he's justice and created the universe. Th- those are cool too. But it's personal. It's because he loves me and I love him. And it's unique. And it's internal. And so that's why Jesus is exalted. So one of our new friends, Derek, um, he's been coming here for a while. Uh, he decided to respond to this truth of Jesus by getting baptized today. And so baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. It's showing the world that, that we were dead and buried with Jesus, and we were raised to new life in Jesus. It's a public confi- confession of the supernatural cleansing of sins that comes when we accept Christ as our Savior. Additionally, it's a signal to, uh, from the person to the world that they now belong to the body of Christ. And so, Derek, would you come up? I'm going to introduce him really fast. If, if Derek, you could come stand here. So this is Derek. Uh, we're going to, in just a minute, we're going to go in the courtyard and we're going to uh, put him under the water for, uh, he said, seven or eight minutes. He said he's got a lot to repent for. Um, just a minute. But I wanted to introduce him before. That way you guys would know him. Uh, he wrote some stuff about it, and I added a little bit uh, in here for him. Uh, Derek grew up believing in Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he's like always felt that God was on his side. Since he was little, he would pray and he would thank God for everything he was given, especially his family. And recently, he's begun to attend church every Sunday with his friends, and, and the, hearing the preaching in the name of Jesus Christ has really helped him grow. He's felt a large weight come off his shoulders, and this was a sign from God that he belonged, and that God had opened his heart to becoming a better version of himself. So his friend Tommy, he's been instrumental in Derek's growth. Tommy invited him to this church, and, and uh, that day that he came, he heard that Jesus accepts anyone who wants to believe. And all he asks in return is to be baptized. And since that time, it's been on his mind, and he's kind of excited to share that opportunity to be baptized on this same day that Jesus was resurrected. So he realizes that his confession of faith makes him a new man, where the old is gone and the new has come. He's no longer property of the devil, but rather the son of a living God. And so we're going to excuse Derek. Uh, he's going to go change and get ready and then uh, for the baptism. And we'll be joining him in a joyful moment. So you can step on down and we'll be joining you in just a second. Now, when we go to the courtyard, I do expect our believers to rejoice and shout and clap and whistle and be excited uh, as Derek is going to be baptized. Before we get... Uh, to that. Uh, We do have a baby baby dedication. We like to do that also on Easter. And so let's invite the Hagahara family to come on up. All right, come on up, you beautiful folks. Hey, you. Ooh, looking good, Grayson. Thanks. All right, uh, here's our Hagahara family. They wrote up a little bit. I'm going to read it out for you guys. Uh, Matt and Susan Hagahara have brought Corbin Garrett Hagahara to be dedicated to the Lord today. 
Matt accepted Christ in junior high, and he's been growing in his faith through serving and fellowshipping with God's people and reading the Word. Susan grew up, uh, uh, grew up in the church and accepted Christ in high school. She, too, has been growing in her faith by studying the Word of God, by serving in church and serving those who are in need, and actively trying to love God and love others. Good job, Susan. <laughs> they said their biggest prayer for Corbin would be that one day he would accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That would be great, they said. They plan to uh, help him grow in his faith by being living examples of Christ to him and encourage him to be active at the church as he grows in his own faith. Yeah. And they would like to honor and acknowledge their parents, which is uh, Corbin's grandparents and family, as well as family and friends who have all uh, been instrumental in creating environments of faith which encourage them to grow in their own faiths. They're especially thankful to God uh, that God has put someone support, such supportive parents and friends in their lives to run the race alongside of them. All right, and so this part uh, is uh, the adults agreeing. Corbin can't quite agree yet, and so I'm going to ask the adults something, and then I'm going to ask you, church, to respond uh, uh, also in a, in a commitment to this family. So do you, Matt and Susan, agree before God to raise Corbin in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? All right. Grayson, do you agree to help your brother learn about Jesus Christ? Yeah. yeah? All right. And do you, church, agree that in all your interactions with this family, to support them and join in raising Corbin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? All right. So I, Samuel Tomsick, as minister of the gospel, do dedicate with water this baby in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. It's a little cold. May God's blessing shine upon him all the days of his life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're praying this. Let's pray for them really fast, guys, and we'll give them a cheer. Jesus, we just bless this family, and we bless this amazing baby. We thank you for him. Every time I see him, he brings light into my life just by looking at his, his beautiful little face. And thank you for his amazing brother, Grayson. And thank you for the parents that you have let him have. We pray that your spirit would be on this family, blessing them, encouraging them, and uh, walking with them. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, bless them. Bless you guys. You're good. Now, um, we're going to step out. Service is not over. We're going to step out. Uh, all together, there's no escaping out the door. We have a guard there, so you can't leave. We're going to go uh, to the baptism. If you're online, don't worry. We're going to switch cameras, and you're going to be joining us right out there in just a second. So let's make our way right outside to the door here and into the um, courtyard. Oh, okay. I can. All right, uh, thank you guys for coming out here. Uh, for Derek, uh, we're going to baptize him, then we're going to have him stand cold, pray over him, and then we're going to worship some song, uh, do a worship song to close our service, and then I'll close us in prayer, but he'll be able to get a towel after that. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask him two questions about his faith and whether he wants to get baptized, and the answer is yes to both of them, uh, otherwise we're wet for nothing. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right, uh, Derek, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And would you like to get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Yes. All right. Yes, we just love you. Thank you for Derek. We thank you for 
You work in his life. We think you're amazing, God. Thank you for bringing this, brother. And his public commitment of faith in you, so exciting as he starts this fresh new life following you, Jesus. Thank you for letting us be a part. We love him and we bless him in your name. Amen. Amen.